1: Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible has thousands of audio narrations of both the latest and classics of literature, but also is the home to numerous Audible original books, comedies, and podcasts you can't hear anywhere else. As someone who has to balance a work life, a student life, and having a life, it can be difficult to pursue time to read a book when I could dedicate my time to much more pertinent tasks. But with Audible, I am able to listen to my library while driving on the road, playing video games, or even I'm working on this podcast. Currently I have been re-listening to the Fazbear Fright novels, currently on Book 4, Step Closer. To get your free 30 day trial and free audiobook, click the link in the description or go to Audibletrial.com slash Into the Night. Audible sends you an email reminder before your membership expires, and during that time you will have access to the entire Audible Plus catalog of podcasts and audiobook originals. So there's nothing to lose in checking it out. And with your membership, you are able to cancel whenever you want and keep whatever is in your library forever, even after canceling. And if you don't enjoy an audiobook, you are always able to trade it for a new one. Once again, you can sign up at audibletrial.com the night, or the link in the description below to claim your free 30-day trial and free audiobook. And if you enjoyed the service, be sure to tweet us at Fastword Podcast to let us know what you've been reading. And now, on to the show. Nick, and thank you for listening. On our previous episode, we went through the first three days of Michael Abden's entrepreneurial escapade of franchising in his own Freddy Fazbear's restaurant. Called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza Place, Michael was successful in both operating and financing his restaurant, while also keeping his identity hidden from the public. His goal in all of this was to use his restaurant to lure the remaining haunted robots to the location. So far, he has successfully been able to salvage his sister, Scrap Baby, whom was injected by the inner conglomerate, Molten Freddy, which is the inner hive mine now dominated by Funtime Freddy, and his father, William Apton, also known as Scrap Trap, in his current state. But how is it possible that all of these animatronics made it to this location? Being drawn to the location isn't unnatural, but why do they always end up in the back alley? And with the location opening up in Hurricane Utah, and some of these robots being free to roam the surface for over 30 years, is it not just a little convenient that every night Michael goes into the alleyway and another familiar face is waiting to be let in? Why do they even think Michael will let them in in the first place? The answers to these questions are all connected to the overwhelming mystery that still surrounds the location's construction. How did Fassman Entertainment reemerge after it declared bankruptcy at the year-end of 1993 during the events of the original fiance of Freddy's? Who would be so insane as to revitalize a brand connected to so much tragedy and corruption? And what maniac would go so far as to rebirth that franchise in the very same town where its most infamous displays of horror had occurred? We know Michael is the restaurant owner and manager, but he's not running the company. There is someone else above him, someone who specified in Michael's contract that he was required to find and secure robotic artifacts that may appear in the back alley of his restaurant after every night. Touched upon briefly in our previous episode, Episode 9, Where Fantasy and Fun Come to Die, Michael's franchise contract is a specified subsection labeled Special Obligations Paragraph 4. The term... What is paragraph 4 was a calling card series creator Scott in used for this game when it was being teased in 2017. While well, we never get to understand the specifications that Michael's under through this special obligations, from his actions and certain documents found in the game, we can make educated conclusions of what Michael's required to fulfill. Specified by Michael's tape instructions, who we shall refer to as Cassette Man, during his first day, Michael was told by
2: Cassette Man. There is another aspect to your end-of-day routine, and that is inspecting and salvaging any animatronics found in the alley outside the back door. Things are found here quite often, and while we aren't sure why, what we do know is that they can be used for parts.
1: Used for parts is the reasoning cassette man and Gibbs are why Mike is required to salvage robots found in the back alley something the cassette man also claims to be incognizant in terms of reasoning for. But every jetful droid Michael Savages hints that there is more going on than being drawn towards a familiar location. Thanks for letting me join the party. I'll try not to
0: disappoint. What a deceptive calling. I knew it was a lie the moment I heard it, obviously, but it is intriguing
1: nonetheless. Instead of wandering to the back alley, they allude to something or someone inviting them to the location. How can I resist a promise such as this? I
3: heard your call.
1: The only person who knew this location was even being built was the supposed leader of Fazbit Entertainment, as Michael had simply taken the managerial role when construction on the location was complete. But whoever is in charge clearly knows more about what is going on and has found a way to draw the remaining Fazbear robots out from hiding and into this new establishment. And that same person is specifying that Michael, under his contract through paragraph 4, is required to find and collect them if he wishes to remain the current franchise manager. There is still so much we don't know about, and Mike has been given an obscure deadline of Saturday, meaning half of his time is up. What could be this supposed party on Saturday? Who is running Fastback Entertainment? And what will Michael do with all these monsters locked away? This is episode 10. This is where our story ends.
3: You don't really know who your employer is, do you?
1: As Michael starts his morning routine, coffee in hand and clipboard in the other, he starts his usual practice of analyzing any potential upgrades he can install to his pizzeria. Starting with his new catalog of rare finds auction, which was what one could only describe as a steep step in price compared to the previous catalogs, included within the laminated pages were true to life attractions. Indoor tilt-a-whirls, decorated flooring, and animatronic robots that rivaled the Funtime's technology and appeal. In fact, one was seemingly in stock. A robot labeled Funtime Chica. Michael must have thought that was odd, but again, there were numerous odd automatons in the catalog. One of those robots being a porcelain elephant that seemed to be a missing member of Michael's main rocker melody band, called Orville the Elephant. Another was an uncanny looking creature, that of a melodic robotic spider machine known as Music Man. If anything was giving kids nightmares, it would be that thing, with empty, glossy eyes, sockets the size of a human head, and a wide smile and mouth that could fit an entire human body inside.
2: You hear that? It's the sweet, sweet sound of your eternal silence.
1: Mike quickly skipped that selection, but once again, stopped when he noticed one animatron stood out different from the rest. A black bear animatronic that looked simplistic and no different than the rock star Freddy he had on stage, albeit with minor alterations. It had a red top hat and Its left eye was translucent and empty, while it held a microphone in its left hand. Ironically, this animatronic was called Lefty. And unlike every other offering in the catalog, which priced itself in the range of thousands, Lefty was only $5. They must be pegging some to take it off their hands, and Mike could probably guess why. It's liability rating was at maximum, a rating of 9, and so had the potential to be a huge danger within Michael's facility. Oddly enough, Michael noticed it had a strange similarity with the black bear drawing in his basement office. It was one of the many child drawings that were in place before his restaurant was even set up, up to the fact that his left eye was left black with a white pupil. It's unknown if Michael knew why this machine had been displayed in such a manner, nor is it known if he knew the true reason behind said machine. Whatever the case, Mike decided to not pay for Lefty, instead focus on building up his attractions for the morning.
0: The High Priestess carried the innocent, protecting those of her care. On death the soul's mind reaper. She had been very aware.
1: An aspect of Michael's daily routine, as well as the gameplay element of Freddy Fasker's Pizzeria Simulator, is Michael can playtest the various attractions in the facility. If not just to ensure their safety or to blow off steam, Fastener Entertainment was willing to give Mike a bonus for his performance in testing his attractions. Now, in the game, these attractions are small mini-games you can play for some extra spending cash, usually with an in-game avatar of a small teddy bear robot named Helpy, a cute and chibi version of Fonda Freddy that Mike had on his desk while he worked. And some of these mini-games are extraordinary a quick list of my favorites include the take a balloon in game where you literally press a space bar to pick up a balloon and you win or the ball pit jump mini game where you have to time helpy jumping in your cardboard box filled with plastic balls and if you miss time your jump you literally break helpy's back and there are always the various arcade games that michael can choose to play during this time one of the arcade machines that michael can choose to buy and play is called Fruity Maze. We mentioned this machine briefly in our previous episode. The game is a simplistic 8-bit minigame reminiscent of Pac-Man. You play as a girl navigating around a maze to collect all the fruits within. The catch being a limited amount of time to do so. There exist various power-ups, including a lightning bolt to increase your speed, a magnet to automatically click fruit and erase round you, and a purple ghost-like object that allow the girl character to face through walls. There are no enemies for the girl to avoid, but occasionally a yellow rabbit will pop out of the ground and cheer her on. Whenever enough fruit is collected, a bright flash of colors will dazzle across the screen and extend the amount of time one has to collect all the fruit. But something else also flashes across the screen. Like a reflection on a black TV screen, Mike could spot the image of a young blonde-haired girl with blue eyes. The image was like a photograph, a moment captured in time reappearing suddenly anybody else, this strange phenomenon would cause someone like 99% of people to do this.
2: Out of this house! Out of this house! Spirits, be gone from this house!
1: But this is Michael Lapton, dealing with the supernatural just another day in the office for him. I guess reanimating after death can make a man more curious. So, after beating the game a first time, he decided to plop it at a quarter end to play again to investigate his new anomalous arcade. As the game started at the second time, he noticed immediately that the game had started to break down at the grade. The music became more decrepit and various visual glitches began to occur most obvious being that certain fruit had been replaced by what appeared to be some sort of blonde animal. At first glance, one can mistake it to be a fat cat, but its ears and nose made out to be a dog. It looked squished down, its legs were visible. A red pool of liquid could be seen below every sprite of the dog on screen. Whenever the girl's face had appeared, there was a clear shift in her expression whenever Michael caught a glimpse of it. Her bright and cheerful face had been replaced by a dour expression. She was frowning and tears began to swell up in her eyes. After Michael collected all the fruits again, he started a third game. More disturbing and corrupted than before. The music had become more distorted, and more in game sprites began to change and glitch. Blood's fruits were available, and instead they were replaced with flowers and burial coffins. The spray of the dog was now smiling and was missing an eye. They had become more mutilated, akin to being ran over multiple times. Blood was now pouring out from Whenever the girl character Mike was controlling a collected one, the footsteps were trailed with blood momentarily. Large numbers of yellow bunnies began to pop out from the ground, a power-up that once allowed the girl to run faster was no longer available. The girl whose face Mike could catch momentary glimpses of now had streams of tears coming down her face. Behind her was a yellow rabbit with a familiar design a familiar pair of eyes that Michael recognized. It was his father, William Napton, in his spring bonnie suit, behind the little girl. No matter what Mike could do, he couldn't complete the game. Time would run out no matter what. Before time completely ran out, the arcade machine emitted the realistic sound of a distant car hole, reminiscent of an impatient parent waiting for the kid to leave her friend's house. The game faded away as the image of the little girl and Michael's father and his bunny persona became clearer. Text appeared on the screen that read, quote,
2: He's not really dead. He is still
0: alive. Follow me.
1: The screen turned off. As Mike tries to bring another cord, spits right back out. The arcade cabinet, apparently, is no longer playable and completely bricked. So what just happened? What did Mike just experience? The answer, an ethereal echo from the past. Expanded upon, we are witnessing a twisted reenactment of the missing children incident. For those of you who need a refresher on the MCI event, the Missing Children Incident, MCI for short, was a major event in which William Acton lured and killed five children in the back rooms of a Freddy Fazbear pizza location using his spring bonnie suit. These five children's souls, with the help of the Marionetti, giving them the gifts of life, will live on the costume cartoon characters of the Freddy Fazbear band. For more information, you can check out our previous episodes, episode 2 and 3, which goes into detail about the first three FNAF games and the MCI. But through this corrupted arcade machine, we now know more about what actually happened during the MCI through the symbolism of Fruity Maze. Let me explain. The blonde-haired girl Mike captures glimpses of is a victim of the MCI. In later FNAF media, we will learn her name is Susie, and she was the first victim of the Missing Children incident, who would go on to possess Chica the Chicken. The yellow rabbit in the minigames is standing for William, of course, but more importantly, it represents how he watches her every move. The text in the game belongs to William. He is trying to lure Susie in the back rooms to kill her. But why does he say, quote, He's not really dead. He's still alive. The answer is the dog. The yellow dog was Susie's, and it must have died. The coffin was for it, and the flowers were funeral flowers. For how the game displays it, the dog appeared to have been run over by a car. Whether it was by accident or William intentionally doing it is left to your depiction of the events. Regardless. Susie, who was now stricken with grief, was an easy target for William to manipulate, lying to her that her dog was still alive, and she could be reunited with it if she just followed him, leading to her untimely death.
0: The rabbit led a chick away through the tragedy of his design. She clipped her wings and silenced her screaming cry. She was forced to watch his cries.
1: After Mike opened his restaurant doors, he quickly closed them again. The monsters he had salvaged quickly become more difficult to contain as more kept getting at him but through the use of his audio decoy and motion tracker, he still finds ways to manage. Although, a part of him is probably curious to what is actually luring them. Or perhaps he is aware of what blurs a Fasper animatronic from room to room. Or perhaps he's just thankful he has a deterrent inability ability to misdirect the robots at all, and chooses not to question it. Regardless, he reaches another closing shift Another end of the day cleanup routine. Plates and silverware in sink, food and waste into the bed, and every attraction thoroughly cleaned and bleached. After his establishment is ready for the morning, he moves to the back room and it into the alleyway to fill his duties. Opens the back door to search for another remnant or animatronic that Fazbear Entertainment's past. Somehow the rain in the past few days hasn't let up, and the storm above kept raging on. An never-ending storm could almost be mistaken as an omen from God. You see, as a natural phenomenon, thunder underscores the fact that death is part of the natural order. It is a Somewhat unnerving occurrence brought about by elements beyond human control. These factors have contributed to the use of thunder in literature and art as a symbol or manifestation of divine power. Such as in Shakespeare's classic Macbeth, if there was thunder or lightning or rain, it means something bad in the play was about to happen or someone was about to die. Though, A more apt comparison could be the as a symbolic for the cleansing of sin and evil, akin to when God flooded the world in genesis of the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. Whatever the case, an omen for things to come has been apparent through the spiraling tempest above the restaurant that ceases to let up. Eventually, Michael does discover someone creeping in his back alley, and it's quite the familiar face. A black bear with jaw gape, red top hat and bow tie, and a crimson microphone gripped firmly in its left hand. Its left eye was translucent and hollow, with only the faintest and foggiest white pupil visible. It was lefty. That black bear robot with a high liability rating and cheap price in Rare Finds catalog, Interestingly, the way that it was leaning up against the wall caused its arm covering to slack a bit, revealing the inside of the machine. There was little metal, but a leather flimsy cylinder of black with stripes of white. Were visible. Once again, it is unknown what Mike knew about this robot or why it appeared in the back alley. After all, at first glance, it truly is a, pardon the pun, black sheet of the group. It is not recognizable, nor is it a familiar character in the series this far. No matter its origin or behavior, it is a Fazbear animatronic, and thus, it fits the parameter of paragraph 4. So Michael took the robot by the shoulders and dragged it into the back room to be salvaged.
0: Hmm Shh. It will all be over soon. On the fourth day, the High Priestess laid, as the hermit had designed, her body confined by her father's shrine. Electricity and melody left from the line.
1: Tonight's episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is an incredible mobile game that lets you take command of your own team of your favorite Marvel superheroes and villains to take on interdimensional threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse in an action-packed turn-based squad tactic RPG extravaganza. Embark on an extensive campaign, completing challenging missions as you fight your way through the expansive Marvel Universe, collect valuable loot, enhance the powers of your favorite characters, and level up to acquire new gear, unlock formidable attacks and abilities, and customize your characters with costumes inspired by the most infamous storylines. Pizza. Did that get your attention? As we speak, Marvel Strike Force is celebrating its 6 year anniversary. But here's the real kicker. New users signing up through our link and using the promo code MAXPOOL. Get an exclusive treat. You'll instantly add the Merc with the Mouth Deadpool to your roster, complete with character shards and anniversary diamond orb and gear. Also, please note that these sponsorships help support the production and the hours we put into creating content for you. So downloading this game using the link in the description and giving it a try would help out this podcast immensely. The game is free, and using the code MAXPOOL gets you a ton of free starting loot. So you got nothing but to gain for giving the game a try right now.
2: Head to Hero.co to shop today.
1: Despite being priced as a mere five bucks, Mike was given a $5,000 reward for salvaging the robot by Fazbear Entertainment. Strange, but enough for Mike while thankfully replaced his wrecked arcade machine from the previous day. His restaurant has become quite a capitalizing sight to behold. Having renovated to it, be one of the best looking Fazbear Pizzerias, not just arcade and pizza, but rides and attractions and amenities not found in any restaurant in the past. One of his final purchases was an odd looking device that was quite familiar to him. It was called the Security Puppet. It was like a more plastic and tour-like version of the marionette that Mike encountered when he was a night guard, the new Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, the location of FNAF 2, over 30 years ago. It was clearly a different robot altogether, but given the number of dragons in his dungeons are increasing at a daily rate, extra security might be permanent. (laughs) Similar to the arcade machines, the player can choose to test this device, But instead of interacting with the security puppet animatronic directly, they are instead transported to an 8-bit minigame. In it, we see none other than the same marine that Mike saw in FNAF 2, although it had green pupils, and doesn't yet have the tear tracks painted below its eyes. The puppet is seen hiding in its present box, stuck in the children as they walk past. As the game begins, we see that the puppet has been given a task to stop children from leaving the pizzeria, specifically, children wearing a green security wristband. It appears that this was in fact the puppet's original purpose, not just an amateur attraction designed to give out birthday gifts to children, but to watch out for children near the prize counter by the exit, alerting and stopping any child from leaving the building without a parent present. However, just like with Fruity Maze, repeated use corrupted the minigame and slowly began to make it more decrepit. In this case, the minigame begins as unbeatable, for no matter how many times you try, a child is never seen wearing a green wristband. Sure, there's pink, orange, and blue, but never green. After a fourth attempt at the game, it completely alters. The minigame starts with a puppet locked away in its box. Some children, or perhaps an adult, have caused to become stuck after putting another box on top of its present lid. The same children are seen smiling and laughing with glee as they look outside the window where a small brunette girl is crying. As the children leave her out in the cold and rain, she begins to jump up and down to try and get someone's attention. Wrist becomes visible, revealing a green security brand to be attached to her arm. <laughs> the security pup is eventually able to free itself from its confinement. As it looks back to the window, the girl it was designed to protect is gone. It leaves the restaurant through the front door to go out and find her. Its tracking device indicating that she was somewhere behind the building. As the security puppet walks through the alleyway behind the building. The water from the rain began to cause its systems to short-circuit and glitch. After turning the corner behind the building, it finally found the girl was tasked to protect. She was lying face down in the alleyway behind trash cans. She wasn't moving. Tire marks were visible close by her body. As the puppet went down to grab her, its joints buckled from the rain. Forcing it to crawl on its knees and arms to reach the child. As it slowly started to wear down, it cradled the dead child in its arms before finally succumbing to the rain.
0: The daughter of the hermit, abandoned to bear the weather and storm, her life was stopped by the Emperor's knife. Her soul began to reform.
1: Now, just with Freddy Maze, this seems to be another shadow of the past. Unlike Freddy Maze, however, these events are relatively easy to follow. This cutscene seems to be expanded upon an explanation for FNAF 2's death minigame. Up to the fact that the minigame is the only one in FFPS that repeats the Atari aesthetic that the death minigames in FNAF 2 and 3 were known for. Using both security puppet and take cake to the children, we can finally illustrate a clear picture of events. William Afton's first victim was a young girl outside of Fredbear's family diner, where the main attractions were Fredbear, Spring Bonnie, and the security puppet. The children played a terrible prank on the young girl by locking her outside the building in the rain, locking the security puppet in order to do this. William Afton later drove by and more than likely offered to help the girl back inside. Seeing that the rain was pouring down on her and she was close to a public place, why would a child see anything wrong with that? However, this was all a ploy to learn in the back alley where he killed her, left her body in the trash and dirt and drove her away. When the security puppet came to her aid. It ended up cradling her, allowing her soul to pass on into it, allowing her to become the Marionetti. Before we move on to Michael's nightly routine, let's check back on him as he deals with the robots below his establishment. Another item Michael can buy in the rare finance catalog is called the Egg Baby, also known as the Database. Buying this item will allow Michael, and by extension the player, to achieve an exclusive cutscene and ending regardless of what had been done on previous days. Now, we are going to be talking about the various endings one can achieve in Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Simulator in the next episode. But for the sake of storytelling, we are going to have Michael go to the database now. To access the database, Mike must have bought and installed the Egg Baby, which cancerous can't enough, it is exactly how it looks, before it begins his manage your duties for the day. When Michael enters his basement office, the light on his monitor will have turned from green to blue. Shutting the monitor off and restart it by holding down the blue power button, we allow Michael to access the egg database. This is what we'll find.
2: It's only now that I understand the depth of the depravity of this creature, this monster, that I unwillingly helped to create, as if what he had already done wasn't enough. He found a new way to desecrate, to humiliate, to destroy. As if the suffering wasn't enough, the loss of innocence, the loss of everything, to so many people. Small souls trapped in prisons of my making, now set to new purpose, and used in ways I never thought imaginable.
1: As the cassette man's audio lock continues to play, various blueprints flash in Mike's monitors, including that of Mother Freddy. Which claims that he contains a large source of an element called remnants, which makes him a high priority under paragraph 4. Another blueprint includes the scooper from Sister Location, the device that was used to remove the innards of the Funtime robots but leave their shells intact, and the same device that entered, used to disabow Michael and wear him as a skin suit. Which these blueprints seem to relate to. On them we find that the Scooper is actually called the SCCUP, fully titled, The Scalable Creation of Ulterior Presence. And one of the purposes of this machine is, when it isn't used, is to inject that unknown element of remnant onto the object being scooped.
2: He lured them all back, back to a familiar place, back with familiar tricks. He brought them all together. Are they still aware? I hope not. It keeps me awake at night. I could make myself sleep, but not yet. Not until I undo what he has done and heal this wound. A wound first inflicted on me, but then one that I let bleed out to cause all of this. He set some kind of trap. I don't know what it was, but he led them there again.
1: As the screens keep flashing, wherein we see a diamond-shaped device on wheels called the R.A.S.C., fully titled the Remote-Activated Simulated Child. It was a device that emitted both the temperature of a young child and emitted the sounds of a child playing. It doesn't take a genius to understand, but these were the audio decoy devices Mike had been using in his ventilation shafts to lead the robots away from him. The man on the cassette had designed these devices specifically to trick Funtime Robots programming into phone. The final blueprint to be shown feels none other than Lefty, or L-E-F-T-E, fully titled Lur, Encapsulate, Fuse, Transport, and Extract. The device shows that Lefty had been built to capture something using what was called a false sensory output to release a beacon the security bracelet code labeled 93401233. Put that same color code in a color chart and you get the color green. The device was also used electric shocks in the melody of a music box. To calm whatever was encapsulated To regulate its behavior Albeit with no guarantees Put this And what we discovered In the security public minigame together And you realize That Lefty was built To capture the marionette And if that lengthy cylinder Had left his arms in any indication It had succeeded In his design that Marionetti is inside the facility. It is inside Lefty.
0: The brother of the hermit by bond, not blood. Betrayed in his kin. Families destroyed for the emperor's joy. The hermits will make it pay for his sin.
1: As Michael once again closes up his restaurant, the sound of the was below the surface or ever so often being heard from of the night. He opens the doorway to the back alley despite knowing there are no monsters left for him to hunt, no spirits left for him to wrangle, as he stands in the never-ending rainstorm. Cold air is a perfect freshness compared to the sterile environments inside. He leans against his restaurant's outer wall, staring at the various posters and flyers darted across the adjacent alleyway wall. Some seem to be advertising Halloween events and a movie about a werewolf. Another seems to be advertising some form a circus. Another has an image of what appears to be the puppet, albeit stylized and uncanny. But there does exist one poster that stands out different from the rest. Although, admittedly, it could just be a coincidence. The image is a poster promoting a circus town. In it, we see a tall, thin man in a purple suit holding a ventriloquist doll of himself, wearing the exact same purple suit. Below him, there is a clown with red hair and green eyes, holding a chain connected to a bear wearing a party hat with razor sharp teeth. They say that beauty of poetry is in its rhyme scheme, how something starts can be so similar to how something ends, a reflection of the past and the present. Isn't that funny how in one image it can convey such a metaphor so beautifully? If you don't understand, let me explain. This picture, which can be seen in the game in the back alley, is actually a double metaphor. The most obvious metaphor is how it represents the monsters that Michael had trapped inside the basement of his Fazbear facility. The Purple Man represents his father, who was originally known as the Purple Guy. The puppet he holds in his arm represents the Marinetti. The clown with the red hair and green eyes is an obvious stand-in for Elizabeth a circus piggy. In the chain she holds around the neck of the bear with the party hat represents her iron grip on Ennard, while the sharp smile and axe-crazy laughing bear represents Funtime Freddy, who would soon take control. However, this poster also represents another collection of individuals. It represents the Abdon family. The pro man once again represents William as the father, but the doll that looks just like him represents his oldest son, Michael, who as we know is a mere reflection of his father, who was originally doing as William commanded his sister location. And, of course, sounds just like him. The clown still represents the sister Elizabeth, but the bear in the birthday hat now takes on a different role as the youngest sibling of the Avro family, the crying child. The younger brother Michael accidentally killed in his prank gone wrong in Fox's first four. The chain around his neck takes on a different meaning as well, representing the restrictions and barriers put on by his family that tormented him. Michael begins slowly saunter inside his restaurant. He takes one last look up at the storming sky. A small smile made the his decayed face. A brief wash of relief when one realizes an arduous task is soon to be over. Over thirty years of work, work done through a combination of guilt and responsibility, finally it's about to pay off. Maybe, when it's all said and done, his younger brother may be able to forgive him. Or, perhaps, maybe he can finally gain the confidence to face his brother in the next life. To have the courage to look him in the face and tell him how sorry he was for everything he did. And how he did everything he could for so many people to make up for what had happened. Michael took the keys out of his pocket, and locked the textile doors behind him for the last time.
0: The chariot, the emperor's son, his body, weak and frail, lives on despite his wounds, with a will not to fail.
1: As Michael walked through his one small establishment, he looked over what had become and entertained it all. Bright lights, games for all ages, good food and delicious beverages. This place should have truly been a place for children and families to spend their days. Memories of the best of times and happiest of moments, not tragedy and loss. Perhaps in another lifetime, Mike could have been such an entrepreneur, if he had ever gotten the opportunity, that is. With his last bit of money, Mike bought himself a nice jar of pickles, personal favorite It began to chow down. A moment of realization might have hit Michael, the whiplash having to deal with the stupidity of fraudulent lawsuits, stupid fun game attractions, and dealing with Fazbear Entertainment's corrupt bureaucracy. For always having to delve into the dark and place himself in the position of life and death. Dealing with the literal undead attempting to escape their confinement. Small tangent, but I have always noticed that the FNAF community always tend to look down upon FFPS. When, in actuality, I think it represents why people have fallen in love with this franchise so much. What other horror series has the same humor and atmosphere that FNAF has? What other game series can go from a tycoon simulator of bright colors and humor to a survival horror game focused on dark and emotional resonating storytelling? What other game encapsulates why FNAF is still such a beloved franchise, not a popular one, but a thriving and beloved one? When games such as Hello Neighbor or Bendy and the Ink Machine take their stories as seriously as they do, or focus too much on lore and not enough on the story that lore is designed to support, there exists FNAF, who still remains alone in its innovation. It is truly lightning in a bottle as no other franchise, whether AAA or dependent, has ever achieved what it has done.
3: Michael enters the
1: underground office. He didn't even bother opening up for the day. What would be the point? Admittedly, some children would be disappointed, but they're gonna be disappointed by day's end anyway. Michael began finishing up his managerial duties. But really, it was just a pass of time as a take care of my strong points. For now, his ventilation shaft is becoming nearly impossible to keep track of them all. But by turning off the vents in the air system, he could better hear what was coming up behind him. He could hear Molten Freddy's broken hyena laugh, his father's threats... I always come back! ...and his sisters wandering.
3: It feels like home.
1: Lefty, or the Marinetti, was completely silent throughout the night making it the most difficult for Michael to pin down. But through enough determination and effort, Michael's able to finish his duties and activate the system logout sequence. He got out of his chair and moved to the doorway. And locked the door behind him. He sat in his office chair and he waited, and waited, and waited. Suddenly, he could hear his sister's voice from the black void, of the ventilation shaft. You played
3: right into our hands. Did you really think that this job just fell out of the sky for you? No. This was a gift. For us. You gathered them all together in one place. Just like he asked you to. All of those little souls in one place. Just for us. A gift. Now we can do what we were created to do. And be complete. I will make you proud, Daddy. Watch, listen, and be full.
2: Connection terminated. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Elizabeth, if you still even remember that name. But I'm afraid you've been misinformed. You are not here to receive a gift, nor have you been called here by the individual you assume, although you have indeed been called. You have all been called here into a labyrinth of sounds and smells, misdirection and misfortune. A labyrinth with no exit, a maze with no prize. You don't even realize that you are trapped. Your lust for blood has driven you in endless circles, chasing the cries of children in some unseen chamber, always seeming so near, yet somehow out of reach. But you will never find them. None of you will. This is where your story ends. And to you, my brave volunteer, who somehow found this job listing not intended for you. Although there was a way out planned for you, I have a feeling that's not what you want. I have a feeling that you are right where you want to be. I am remaining as well. I am nearby. This place will not be remembered, and the memory of everything that started this can finally begin to fade away, as the agony of every tragedy should. And to you monsters trapped in the corridors, be still and give up your spirits. They don't belong to you. For most of you, I believe there is peace, and perhaps more, waiting for you after the smoke clears. Although for one of you, the darkest pit of hell has opened to swallow you whole. So don't keep the devil waiting, friend. My daughter, if you can hear me, I knew you would return as well. It's in your nature to protect the innocent. I'm sorry that on that day, the day you were shut out, left to die no one was there to lift you up into their arms the way you lifted others into yours and then what became of you i should have known you wouldn't be content to disappear not my daughter i couldn't save you then so let me save you now it's time to rest for you and for those you have carried in your arms this ends for all of us in communication
0: Steph for the rats. Congratulations on completing your work week. We apologize if your situation wasn't presented to you in a completely honest fashion when you first started. But it was important that your intentions and actions be genuine. Here at Fazbear Entertainment, we value fun, family, and food. But more importantly, we value our commitment to atoning for past mistakes and tying up loose ends. Thank you for your participation. There is no need for you to return to work next week as Fazbear Entertainment is no longer a corporate entity. Please accept this certificate of completion. Goodbye for now and thank you for taking this journey with us.
1: To black, our vision is taken to a small grassy plain. There exist five gravestones, each one etched with the names in order of left to right Gabriel, Fritz, Susie, and Jeremy. The last name is hidden behind a patch of overgrown grass. In the distance, there is a hill with graves unresting beneath the tree. Washing over the tombstones below it. These names are the graves belonging to the missing children incident victims. The gravestones of the same order of the heads usually am were in and the end of FNAF 3. Freddy is Gabriel, Fritz for Foxy, Chica for Susie, and Jeremy is Bonnie. The last hidden patch of grass belongs to Golden Freddy and his victim, whose identity is still yet unconfirmed. But at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. one considers that finally, every breath of life that was taken and forced to remain in this world by the hands of a monster it could finally be released and find peace. The rainstorm has ceased. The sun has risen, brand new days dawning, and a brighter new future and journey awaits for the living. And with that, I believe today's episode is over. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, or following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at FastBearPodcast or supporting us on our Buy Me A Copy page using the link in the description. You probably still have questions over what is going on. Is this truly the end of High Nights Freddy's? Well, obviously no. But this game was truly the end to what some would call the Scott Cawthon era. Despite there being one last game developed by him to discuss, an end of an era it was. Words cannot express what this ending did to so many people. It brought closure to many of us with this series, an ending we could all not only be satisfied with, but remember and cherish as the end. Of a journey and experience. But who exactly was Cassette Man? And what was his relationship with William Hampton? What about the other arcade machines such as Midnight Motors, which also contain shades of the past locked within? And there even exists Candy Cadet, a candy-dispensing robot that tells cryptic stories about the past and possibly future don't worry all that will be analyzed and discussed in the next episode where we wrap up Freddy fast pizzeria simulator before we move on to the next game in the series special thanks to scott kelsey for providing the voice of old man consequences please show him some love by following him on twitter using the link below and once again i've been your host nick And thank you for listening. Have a good night.